Have you noticed that some modern worship songs have lyrics that are disappointing? Do you think we can do better? Let's talk about it. Welcome to Blueprint Sounds. My name is Nathan Smith. Thanks for joining me. Today we're going to be talking about why modern worship songs disappoint. We're in our third installment. But before we do, I want to give you something. If you go to BlueprintSounds.com, you can get access to my free PDF, 25 Chart-Topping Arrangement Tricks That Work. If you're a worship leader or you're going to a worship practice and you have a song that's fine, but it needs a little kick, download this PDF and it has 25 great ideas for ways that you can grab and keep people's attention in your song. It gives you a couple of sentences about why the trick works and how to implement it, and then a song from the radio that you can listen to that exemplifies the trick. So download it or print it off for your next worship practice, and again, that's from BlueprintSounds.com. I also want to mention that my biggest sale of the year is coming up. From Black Friday to Christmas Day, my course, Sparkling Electric Guitar, is only $35. Usually it's $97, so that's less than half the price. So for the price of one guitar lesson, you get a six-week-long course showing you how to play electric guitar in a modern worship setting. You get the chords, the charts, the backing tracks, the instruction from me, all at a do-at-your-own-pace level. It's an excellent resource for anybody who plays electric guitar in a worship team. So again, that starts from Black Friday all the way till Christmas, $35 for the entire course. It's the best deal of the year. All right, with that out of the way, let's talk about why modern worship songs disappoint. All right, in this installment of Why Modern Worship Songs Disappoint, we're going to be contrasting two songs, one written by me, Everything and Everywhere, versus Joyful Joyful, uh, lyrics were written by Henry Van Dyke. I should preface by saying I'm not picking hymns because I think hymns are better than all new songs. That's not true. It's because I don't have to worry about copyright infringement and because everybody knows these songs. So let me read you the first verse of this lyric that I wrote, Everything and Everywhere. No matter what the mountain, I know you're by my side. Although the storm is raging, you can turn the tide. The fires may come closer, the giants want my life. But you're closer than my heartbeat, in you there is no strife. Compare that to Joyful, Joyful by Henry Van Dyke. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness, drive the dark of doubt away. Giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. Again, from the outset, you can tell that one is a heavy hitter, joyful, joyful, and one is unimpressive, and that's everything and everywhere. But even though I I overwrote it, I sort of took it one or two clicks past what would be... um, acceptable and it's it's you can tell that my lyric is just a little bit too much it's kind of illustrative of the time and where we're at we don't live in a writing culture whereas a couple hundred years back that was a writing culture because there were no movies there was there was nothing else that if, if you wanted to enter a world you listen to a song or you read a novel so let's talk about what's wrong with uh, my writing 
The first thing that's wrong with my lyric, everything and everywhere, is the use of cliches. So I'll point some out. No matter what the mountain, I know you're by my side. Ooh, by my side, we have heard that one before in half a dozen songs that you could probably name off the top of your head. There's a cliche. Although the storm is raging, you can turn the tide. There's another cliche. So what's wrong with cliches? Cliches drop your song into neutral. You know, you're going somewhere, you're, you're in first gear, you're up into second gear, this thing is really revving, and then you drop your song into neutral with the cliche. Why does it do that? It's because, because everybody has heard that lyric or that turn of phrase before, everybody is waiting for you to say something that's actually useful. So let me explain. When we're in conversation together, if you and I were sitting across the table at a coffee shop and I was, you know, talking through a problem or something, you would be able to see a lot more than just my words. You see my hands moving. Maybe I'm leaning forward or leaning backward in my seat. Obviously, my facial expressions, the way in which I say something, you know, a word might rise or it might fall. You're getting all that. And when I'm conversing with you, I'm seeing you maybe lean forward in your chair, maybe you're checking your watch, maybe you don't care, maybe you're, you're um, defensive and your arms are crossed. So in a conversation, there's a lot more than just the words that's getting communicated. And that's good. In that mode, when we're communicating like that, we often use cliches because we are struggling for grip. Our tires, you know, our mental capacity, we're trying to figure out even what we think, what we mean. Maybe if it's it's a problem that we're trying to get to the root of, like, okay, what's really wrong in this relationship? We use cliches because we're, we're using it in neutral while our brain is thinking, right? We're not really in gear. We haven't really come to our conclusion, and therefore we use cliches. And that's fine because in a conversation, you figure things out. The, the act of talking actually helps you figure out what you mean. I'm sure we've all been in those conversations, either on the listening side or the talking side, where afterward you're like, oh, I just figured something out that I didn't know before I had this conversation because the act of talking it out helped me to understand. In that sense, using a cliche is fine because that's, you're getting somewhere. You're not arrived. But in a lyric, you have none of that. You have no body language. You have no inflection. You have nothing. All you have is the lyrics on the page. So people expect that you have arrived at your conclusion. When you use a cliche, you are essentially telling people, I'm not really done. Right? And that's what this lyric sounds like. No matter what the mountain, I know you're by my side. Clearly, clearly that's not as well thought out as something like, well, let's go to Joyful Joyful and look at the imagery and the metaphor that Henry Van Dyke uses. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers. Ooh, now that is pretty. If you've ever, you know, seen a tulip that's closed up at night and then it comes alive and it opens up to the sun, that's a beautiful imagery of what our hearts are like in front of the Lord. Later on, melt the clouds of sin and sadness, drive the dark of doubt away. So there's definitely a creation imagery and metaphor. There's, there's all of this stuff that we're getting, and those aren't cliches, right? That's, that's stuff that Henry Van Dyke thought of and put in his finished lyric. It definitely has a polish and a beauty about it, an elegance of its design 
that my song does not because my song's cliches let you know, eh, I'm, not, I'm not really done here. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what I think. Do your work. Get rid of your cliches. Say what you really need to and have to say and get to a conclusion rather than letting the audience see you uh, spin your wheels. So what's the second problem? The second problem is epileptic imagery. Everything and everywhere is all over the place, which is, of course, why I I wrote that title. But let's read through. No matter what the mountain... Okay, so we're, we're on a mountain. I know you're by my side. Although the storm... Okay, so now it's a storm. Is raging. I know you can turn the tide. The fires... Okay, there's fire involved. May come closer. The giants... Oh, there's giants now. Want my life, but you're closer than my heartbeat. Okay. In you there is no strife. Ah! We got a problem here. It's like, it's like somebody is trying to tell you everything at the same time and they're flipping through a novel. Look here. No, no, no. Look here. The imagination can't even enjoy the setting because the setting keeps changing. I never saw Inception, but I think it's kind of like that, right? It's trippy. We're a mountain, but now it's a storm, but there's a fire and there's a giant all of a sudden, but you're closer than my heartbeat. I, all of that goes goes way too many directions to ever let your imagination and your your emotions settle into any one setting. And so it's kind of just a listicle. It's like, okay, here's a BuzzFeed song about all of the things. Well, a song about everything becomes a song about nothing. Contrast that with Joyful Joyful. This song has a sense of place. So the French word for that is terroir, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. You hear wine connoisseurs talk about that. I, I don't know anything about wine. But they'll say, ooh, you know, this, this wine is from the Rhone Valley. Or it's, it's clear that it has yada, yada, yada. Because that wine, because it was made in that place, you get all of those senses, the, the dirt and the minerals and the air and all of that is put into the wine. Well, it's the same way in this lyric. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers. Okay, flowers before thee. Opening to the sun. Ooh, S-U-N, sun above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness. Drive the dark of doubt away. Giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. That's beautiful. But what the writer does is he picks one world, he takes us there, and then he gives us time to enjoy it. He reinforces it. Flowers, sun, clouds, dark, light. Okay, we're definitely doing a creation theme here. That's absolutely where we are. You know, I'm in a peaceful meadow. There's greenery. There's light and air and water and a babbling brook. My imagination goes to those places because it has time to stay in those places. Whereas in everything and everywhere... It's a mountain, it's a storm, it's a giant, yada, yada. You know, it's just a bunch of images that have no connection to one another. But in Joyful Joyful, the entire lyric is driving toward one point. Right? It's, it's driving towards one sense of place. Because the writer was obviously there, he can take us there. If you were not there and you can't take your audience there, then why would they want to go there? All right, so that's the second problem with my lyric. Thirdly, the last problem with uh, this lyric is the sin of passive voice. Passive voice, uh, we'll explain that, but in shorthand, it's, it's Yoda speak, right? It, it just sounds, sounds weird. 
So this last sentence, the fires may come closer, the giants want my life, but you're closer than my heartbeat. Here it is. In you, there is no strife. Uh. So even if you don't know the mechanics of English, you can tell that that feels weird because you're like, okay, the, uh, the author must have really wanted to rhyme life with strife. It feels awkward and ill-fitting. Well, this lyric, in you there is no strife, grammatically it should have been, there is no strife in you. So what happened there? I'm going to get a little, little inside baseball, but that's okay. So strife is the subject. If we look at the, the way it should have been, there is no strife in you. Strife is the subject of the sentence. You, we're referring to the Lord, but in you, you is the direct object. So we have it so far where it makes sense. There is no strife in you. That's the correct, natural way that makes sense to your brain, and it, it can parse that out. Well, what we did with passive voice, in you there is no strife, we flipped it. We flipped the direct object and the subject of the sentence. And so now it does two things. First, it weakens the effect, right? That's what passive voice does. It weakens the, the punch of the sentence. And secondly, it makes it harder to understand because we're asking the listener to do what we should have done, and that is flip the direct object and the subject. It should have been, there is no strife in you, and that's easily understood. Because we made it, in you there is no strife, I'm looking up, you know, kind of squinting my eyes. That's what your brain does when you hear that sentence. You have to do the work to flip that back. Like, what did he even mean? That's the problem with passive voice. We don't, we should not do that in writing in general, but in a song where the lyrics are coming at you at speed, you don't have time to confuse your listener unnecessarily. You need to make it clear. Let's take a look at Joyful Joyful. Joyful Joyful uses active voice and active verbs. So let's look. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness. Drive the dark of doubt away. Fill us with the light of day. Those are all very declarative and correct, uh, correctly structured sentences. Those declarations are strong, they're clear, and they're easily understood and so they have punch and power because we get right to the content and the, the listener is left thinking about what the writer said rather than thinking about how he said it and trying to parse it out. To really give you an idea of what I'm talking about, I'm going to take these, some of these good sentences that Henry Van Dyke wrote and I'm going to pacify them. So let's make these sentences worse and you'll understand the difference. So melt the clouds of sin and sadness. If I flip it, it becomes this. Clouds of sadness were melted. Ah, oh, isn't that disappointing? We're telling the Lord or we're, we're exclaiming to the Lord that he melts the clouds of sin and sadness. And then all of a sudden we say clouds of sin and sadness were melted. That's passive. It's, it's weak and it's gross. How about another one? Drive the dark of doubt away becomes dark doubt will be driven away. Eh, nope, nope, nope. Another problem with that is drive the dark of doubt away is very declarative, and we're talking about the Lord's power in driving the dark of doubt away. But if you go, dark doubt will be driven away, then you actually are giving more emphasis to dark doubt. And because you're making the, the action weaker, you're magnifying the doubt, and you're um, supplanting your, your 
lowering the action so you're not making that the main thing, that it's, that it's being driven away. You're making the main thing the dark doubt. Not a good idea. Lastly, fill us with the light of day becomes, let us be filled with the light of day. Let us is really weak. It's just mealy-mouthed, and it's, it's bathwater compared to the declaration, fill us with the light of day. A lot of songwriters twist their sentences in knots because they're aiming for a rhyme, right? Life needs to rhyme with strife, so I'm going to mangle my last sentence, which... Fun fact, the last sentence in your stanza should be the knockout blow. It should be the strongest thing because that's the that's where you're going, right? That's what you want to get to in the case of Joyful Joyful. Fill us with the light of day is a beautiful sentence. But if you, for you know your own reasons, oh, I have to make this rhyme work, wind up with, in you there is no strife, that's a really, really weak sentence and you made what should have been the most powerful part of your stanza, the last sentence, the last thought, now you've made it the weakest part of your sentence just because you wanted an easy rhyme. So that shows that you need to go back to the drawing board. You need to, there's a cliche, you need to um, do the work and make sure that your sentence actually has pace and power rather than settling for passive voice. So let's recap those three things. Three things you should not do. You should not use cliches. Why? Because they neutralize your drive. You should not yank your listener from place to place with your imagery. And you should not use passive voice and weak verbs like let or use, or I'm sorry, or uh, is or were. Instead, use metaphor and strong imagery. Build a world and give your audience time to enjoy it by staying in the same world and reinforcing it with more imagery, not confused imagery. And finally, use active voice and strong verbs. Make declarations, not mealy-mouthed suggestions. Hey, I hope that episode helps you, and I hope that you use it to write your own original worship music, because every church should have their own heart cry coming out from their worship team, not just playing other people's stuff. Again, go to blueprintsounds.com to get access to my free PDF, 25 chart-topping arrangement tricks, and check out my Black Friday sale. From Black Friday to Christmas, Sparkling Electric Guitar is only $35. Until next week, God bless and goodbye.